All right, welcome back to the program. This is Gesundheit with Jacobus. I am uh, your host and Chuck Martel with me in the studio as well. And I think you're going to have to turn it off, Chuck. I don't know what's going on. Trying something new today, so uh, bear with us. But so far, it sounded pretty good. Thanks for being with us. We have Dr. Gail Sulik with us on the air. We're talking on Gesundheit with Jacobus with her about her brand new book or her book, Pink Ribbon Blues, How Breast Cancer Culture Undermines Women's Health. And before we go back to Dr. Sulik, we have a caller on hold who would like to weigh in today's program. Caller, good morning. Your name, please. How can we help you? Uh, this is a garden variety sociologist. Oh, uh, look at you. Yeah, that's to say I, I got a degree in sociology. So I have a, a question on hard science and then one on uh, pure speculative uh, theory. Hard science? Yeah. Well, Just, uh, let's start from the bottom. Uh, well, we want to, Daniel, we want to make sure that we keep talking about the, the book. And yeah. if you have a question about breast cancer or breast cancer culture, then uh, she, can, uh, she may have a lot more information. But we want to make sure that we, we stay focused on, uh, on this book and on the work that she has done. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, all uh, uh, pinpointed on this. All right, you perfect. Know, okay, so one of the early uh, principles that I learned in sociology was that people are more alike than different. Uh, people test out on just variations along continuum, usually, and, and not radically different dots all over the chart. Most of us have heard that men also get breast cancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, do they treat men differently than women when they get breast cancer? And wh- why do uh, fewer men get breast cancer? Okay. And, you, and your second question? Uh, if you've heard the New Age stuff, there's these theories, say... Uh, you're hard-hearted and a non-giving person, you're likely to get a heart disease. Or if you're uh, very stiff in your approach to life, you're, you're likely to get arthritis. I heard that breast cancer is linked to uh, greed. Do you, ha- do you have any wild theories about attitudes that are linked to breast cancer? Huh. Okay. Do, and you said greed? Greed? Yeah. Okay. 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 I'll take a stab at those. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and it, it's interesting, I think... Um, we definitely, in sociology, when we're we're looking at specifically social factors that influence how everyday people live their lives, what we think, what we believe, how we behave, and there is definitely a sense that, you know, it's not um, that things are reduced to social. They're certainly not um, a theory, essentially, that uh, we are only social beings. There's recognition that we are biological spiritual, physical, social. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in medical sociology, what I tend to look at is what are the cultural, social, environmental, political factors that influence how people think about their health, what they do about it, and, and what are the, the pressures that people feel and how do they negotiate those pressures. So we do look at that interplay between the two. Um, so the question about men I mean, is a really important one because the pink ribbon, and it's pink, <laughs> so it's feminine, um, there really is a sense that this is a woman's illness. This is, And it's, not, it, it, it's partly related to the fact that 99% of cases are in women. Um, there are about 250,000 new cases of breast cancer in 2009 among women, about 1,900 cases in men. Wow. So in general, more women 
predominantly are getting breast cancer, and so for that reason, there is more attention to women in breast cancer. But at the same time, you have that femininity piece. And so are men treated differently? Well, yes. (laughs) And part of that um, and what we see in the culture is when when we see um, women organizing for each other, women coming together in solidarity around breast cancer, we see a women's club. And how is it that men would break into that women's club? That's one question. But then when it comes down to just um, treatment, because it tends to be more focused on women, there is a sense that men may may not know that they can get breast cancer. And so what we see among men is that they present later because they they don't have the same protocol. They don't have a protocol that says get a mammogram at 40 or 50. Um, so men tend to find the, the lumps themselves, and then they present later. Um, and so that is really crucial. Treatment, once a diagnosis happens, however, is the same men, among men and women. Uh, so that really comes down to the diagnosis. Um, and then the second question, uh, focusing on more new-agey stuff, <laughs> um, I'm less familiar with that aspect um, I've not heard any kind of link between breast cancer and greed. I have um, actually talked to someone who practices oriental medicine, and in in that philosophy, there's actually a sense that women get get breast cancer because they uh, don't necessarily get things off their chest, <laughs> and oh. so huh. this was fascinating because this came from. Um, a different tradition, a more holistic tradition, but that sense of things actually fit with what I found in my research with women's nurturing. So there was a sense of giving of yourself, giving of yourself, and then in a sense, keeping your own needs suppressed. Wow. And so that actually seemed to fit. So I don't really know what what the greed part is, um, but I can't really speak to that. All right. Well, I'll I give up. Uh, thank you for giving giving uh, me the information. And go sociology. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it's like uh, it's like Garrison Keillor. He's always saying uh, the uh, English majors uh, have have a secret club, so us sociologists have one too. There you go. Well, thanks, right. Daniel. Appreciate thank the input. Have a good All Saturday. Okay. Right. Right. Bye bye. We're listening to Gail Sulik, Doctor Gail Sulik who wrote a a very, very powerful book. It's called Pink Ribbon Blues, How Breast Cancer Culture Undermines Women's Health. We have another caller who would like to uh, ask you a question or give a comment. Caller, good morning to you. Thanks for tuning in today. What is your name? How can we help you, please? This is Clint. Clint, good morning to you. Good morning and morning, Gail. Good morning. I have bladder cancer, all right? Yeah. Now, I want to... Make a statement or two here, and then I want to ask you questions. Is that all right? Sure. Go for it. I do believe that most cancers are caused by either what we eat or what we drink. Okay. And also stress. Now, having said that, the cattle industry and the chicken industry and basically all the meat industries that we have today are either... And I ain't cussing the cattlemen here either. But they're either having to give a lot of antibiotics and various different things to the cattle. They give them a lot of shots and stuff for, like still withdrawal, for fattening the cattle. And they give a lot of stuff for chickens through the chicken feed. 
and other and the pigs in shots and things like this. Now, having said all that, our cities here, not only in Montana but all over the nation, are dumping their sewer water, their treated water, into our rivers and streams, and. With that is the agricultural runoff of your fertilizers, your phosphates, and your nitrates. Now, we all have to eat, and I know that all of these uh, things have to be done. But there's better ways to do it. Now, my question is this. Do you think that what I'm telling you is the cause of some of the cancers or most of the cancers that we have today? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, um, and your your point is well taken, and and there has been, um, and you don't necessarily hear about it as much, I know. Um, be- because of the the focus on, you know, um, getting together and fundraising and all of that. But the breast cancer movement has actually split, and there is an environmental breast cancer movement, and it has been growing alongside of this pink mainstream since the beginnings, but it's become very, very strong. Um, And it's looking into those things because there are cancer hotspots in general, and there are specific hotspots for breast cancer, and they tend to be around areas with industrial pollution. Well, Gail, Um, here's what's happening here. Just in in Montana and all the people down from Montana clear down to where the, the Yellowstone River and the Missouri River go into the Mississippi. What is happening there is this various cities that are along the river are taking the water out and trying to retreat it and feed it to the public, and they're chlorine in it, and they're putting fluoride in the water also. There's never been a study that I know of of fluoride and chlorine, what happens when the two come together. Okay, the thing is, is it seems to me like with all these pollutants that are in our water, it seems to me like we're killing ourselves, you know, because we cannot, you cannot continue to do this here without some great damage to the human body. That's my thoughts on that. And I'll hang up and I'll let uh, Gail, I'm sure glad you come on and Jacobus. Yes. It's a nice, nice program you have this morning. Thank, oh, thank you. Thanks for listening, Clint, and thanks for your input. And Thank uh, you. And I know that Clint is very concerned about the water situation, and it is true. I think that uh, the the effects that diet and what we drink and eat uh, has definitely something to do with this. But I thought that your your comment about women having a difficult time getting things off their chest, or men for that matter, is uh, indeed uh, one reason why... Um, Counseling is such a big issue because uh, we are continuously stimulated and we don't always have a chance to let go. Uh, we are pushed, 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 and it's very hard to kick back, relax, and, and find that time to regroup. So that was, uh, that was very powerful. The, the, uh, the environmental toxins, absolutely. I do believe that uh, there are people who eat very healthy and do their exercises, but uh, because of the environmental stresses on the body, either in the air or in the water, in the soil, um, are creating what we call these free radical damage. And we do not get enough antioxidant in our diet anymore to balance these free radicals. 
And that is one more reason why it is. Plus, there is this genetic makeup that makes that a weak spot for a lot of women. So if there are stressors, stressors, I should say, be it environmental or emotional, then the breast tissue may be the one that is used as an outlet uh, where the body shows that there is a problem on the inside. Yeah, and it's and just a couple of, of comments on that. I, I would definitely um, draw attention to Sandra Steingraber's work. She wrote a book called Living Downstream, okay. um, and that uh, she actually just created a documentary based on that book because the book is over. I think it's over ten years old now, huh. and she's considered to be the modern day Rachel Carson, and she's very involved in this. So I think Clint. Would, would get a lot out of looking into her work. Um, and she has also been working with um, other breast cancer organizations. Um, another organization called the Breast Cancer Fund uh, actually has a report called State of the Evidence, mm-hmm. and it's specific to breast cancer, but it looks at links between breast cancer and the environment and pulled together all of these uh, bodies of research that see those connections. And so there is a growing attention to that. And there needs to be, because I think Clint is absolutely right. Uh, in a sense, we are killing ourselves. Yes. Um, and it's not a coincidence that since the 1940s, there have been increases in all cancers. Mm-hmm. So what is it that's going on with that? And when you look at breast cancer, the genetic um, the genetic aspect, only 5 to 10% of diagnosed uh, people have any of those mutations on the breast cancer genes. So it, you know, we tend to think about, is it in my family or not in my family? But the majority of people who get breast cancer do not have it in their family. And 70% of cases of people who get it have none of the known risk factors. Yes. So what's going on there? We, when we, maybe we should look at some of the, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Gail, maybe we should look at some of the statistics. And, sure. and, and, Actually, uh, because when I <clears throat> maybe I should back up a little bit. I, I want to let people know this. This is very interesting. I I found out about Gail. I was driving about the end last week of October. I was driving with my wife to Ashland, Oregon, to visit our son and his fiance, and uh, we rented a minivan to get all the stuff in there and then uh, drive over there. And it had a satellite radio in the car and we uh i never really listened to satellite radio so i'm flipping through the channels and i found oprah winfrey channel i think 155 and i'm listening i turned it on and there is a doctor on who was hosting a program by the name of laura berman and i knew the name laura berman from uh from radio from tv and so here she is interviewing Gail, and I never heard about Gail, but they were talking about breast cancer. And I had just finished my article in the Natural Life News and Directory about mammogram mania, from which I just quoted. And here I had always known, as I wrote in the article, that about $400 million is raised every year since about 1991 for breast cancer research or cancer research in general. But as I mentioned earlier, breast cancer seems to be the poster child for cancer research and their whole culture. And here I'm listening to Gail talking about her book, Pink Ribbon Blues, and I hear her mention that the annual money that is being, the funds that is being raised annually, lately, has been about $6 billion. 
And I thought, well, 20 years of 400 million, that's about 8 billion. And I wrote in the article, where's the cure? If we have raised $8 billion, how come we don't have any cure for cancer yet? And how come we're still using the same technology we did 50 years ago, which is uh, burning with the chemotherapy. And uh, we also do the, the mammograms, uh, which technology started in 1961 and then became um, digital or became, what you call it, uh, digital mammography back in 1968. So how come we haven't changed the technique except that we have lenses or we have technology that can look deeper into the body, but it's still the same technology. And so here she is talking about $6 billion annually and go like, my goodness. And, and, and that is how I really got interested. And I started texting Gail right away on my uh, cell phone. And I said, would you like to come on my radio show? I thought it was a live program and it was just recorded a little bit earlier. And so they were replaying. Is that right, Gail? It was not live, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, it was live initially, but yes. then they replayed a segment. Yes. And so it was perfect timing that I just happened to listen to this. And I'm so glad that you wanted to be on the show and, 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 and share this information with us because I was very, it, it just fit in perfectly. So I called the editor from the newsletter and I said, can you fit, fit this information in my article before you take it to the printer uh, the next day or so? And he said, we'll work it. And so he got it in. He was shocked too. He said, are you sure it's $6 billion? And I said, that's what she said. And so here it we is are. Shocking. It, it is shocking. That's and a lot of money. It is a lot, um, and it doesn't all go to research. And so I think, you know, your, your uh, 400 million quote, actually we have uh, the National Cancer Institute has a budget of about $5 billion per year for all cancers. Yes. And of that, about 600 million goes toward breast cancer. So that's completely devoted to research and what kinds of research is another, probably another show. <laughs> yes. Um, but then, you know, when we think about the $6 billion, this is just how much is raised for the cause. Yeah. So some of that may go to research or some types of research. It may go to providing mammograms, which we will talk about later, um, or other kinds of support systems, educational materials, health information, that kind of stuff. But we really cannot map out and track where all of that money goes. So that's an issue. Well, that is true. But if you look at, uh, for example, the uh, the program Stand Up for Cancer, which is at the end of, or Stand Up to Cancer, which is, I think, the end of September, and it is on all the national, the major national channels live with a lot of celebrities. It's only a one-hour show, and apparently they raise in that one hour $100 million for breast cancer mm -hmm. in one hour. So yeah. that's that's amazing, and and yeah. so you have to wonder what is happening with the money, and and that is exactly what your book Pink Ribbon Blues is all about. This has turned into a an industry that many times people are jumping on the bandwagon of pink, as you mention in your book, just to get customers to come in. So they 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 make. Uh, uh, muffins with uh, pink uh, frosting so the people go like oh pink so that is must be for breast cancer and so even though you are uh, eating something that may aggravate the cancer you are feeling that you are contributing to the research and many of these organizations just use use pink ribbons in their windows as advertising tools to bring customers in but none of that money will go to any research 
Yeah, it's it's instant advertising, and you can see when you do look at specific. I mean, some some of the cause marketing programs you can look at specifically, and you could can analyze and see. Okay, this particular corporation during this period of time, when they raised one point five million dollars to give to a breast cancer organization, actually made six million dollars on the product that they sold wow. in order to raise that one point five million. Yeah. and so it is a major revenue revenue-producing stream, it's instant advertising, and it's instant credibility, and, and it creates this sense of goodwill on the part of women. Yes. And so that's all happening, and then you, you do, you'll see slap on a pink ribbon, make something pink, make a product pink that may have nothing to do with breast cancer at all, and people will just assume it has something to do with breast cancer. And so one of the, the things in Think Before You Pink, which you mentioned, which is from Breast Cancer Action, they say you, you really got to read the fine print. And if it does not say this money is going to some specific organization and this is the amount and this is how much we're going to give, don't buy it. Because probably if it's not written there, it's not going to happen. Yeah. And, and I highly recommend people uh, look at your website, pinkribbonblues.org and then click on the photo gallery, and then you will see that uh, there is all kinds of uh, pictures of the what's going on in the industry uh, about how people are trying to advertise in order to generate money for themselves, but they're just jumping on the bandwagon. We have a caller. We'd like to weigh in. Caller, good morning to you. Thanks for joining us today. What is your name, and how can we help you, please? Uh, yeah, the name is Ron. Hey, Ron. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I apologize for not having a question on the subject, except that uh, your first of the guest is uh, a methyl sociologist, is that Co correct? Yes. Yes. Okay, and, and I, I'm, I'm just ignorant about what a medical sociologist is. It a medical, is it a medical doctor with a sociology degree or vice versa? No, I am not a medical doctor. Um, I'm a sociologist first. Um, and so my research looks at the medical industry and how we organize around medicine. So I look at it from a sociolo sociological perspective. How is it that, from a bird's eye view, society approaches health, illness, and medicine? Uh, okay, I see. Well, thanks for clearing that up. My brain was going crazy trying to That's okay, it. Ron. What is it? <laughs> I will, I will we'll explain it when we come back. All right, thank you. All right, thanks for listening, Ron. Pinkribbonblues.org is the website. Gail Sulik, Dr. Gail Sulik is my guest. Stay tuned, we'll be right back. You're listening to Gesundheit with Jacobus.